Okay, hey, uh, let's just, what I thought it would be helpful to do is we, off fact, um, Matt, do you want to hit record on that? Uh, all good, bro? All right. By the way, shout out to Adrian Whitaker, who's not here today, but listening via podcast. Hello. <laughs> Hello. He's in South Africa somewhere and missing us and listening to podcasts, which is cool. <laughs> Love that. We should have given Kieran a shout out as well, but I don't know whether he would, he's back from China, but I don't know whether he's listening to the podcast or not, so there, you know, don't want to embarrass him. All right. Hey, what I thought could be helpful is just to have a look at the journey so far in terms of the church and where we're at and what we've done, because uh, I spend every day thinking about Bay Vineyard Church, uh, but I just suspect you don't. <laughs> so what I'm thinking about and what you're thinking about, maybe, let's just clarify where we're at, because I'm really clear about where we've gone and where we're going, but I think maybe that hasn't, not everyone's story. So uh, over on the left-hand side here, we've got pre-launch meetings and interest gatherings. That's over. Thank you, Lord. Every time I just see that, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for past that. Oh, that was brutal. But we, look, it's great, you know, but it was, oh, man. I wanted to lead a church. I didn't want to run interest gatherings at the aquarium, you know, so here we are. Um, and then we launched. Uh, what was cool out after the launch is we went straight into Easter. What a beautiful way to start the life of a church by the biggest events in the Christian calendar, looking at the death and resurrection of Jesus. After Easter, we, uh, we've done a series called The Early Church and Us. And during that series, we were looking at what did the early church devote themselves to? Because in Acts 2.42, it lists a bunch of things that the early church devoted themselves to. So that was quite helpful because they were a new church and we're a new church. So we're like, okay, let's just copy what they did. And so we've been looking at, you know, the prayer and the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Uh, in there, very early on, we did the big feed, uh, which was cool. And we've got to do that again. I was thinking we need to do this again. I'm, you know, I've been kind of spitballing with some of our guys, but I'm like, I reckon at the end of every school term, we've got to celebrate it somehow, you know, by having a party or a feed or something like that. So we'll work out what that is. Um, but, you know, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then we should celebrate the end of the school holidays as well. You're right. Um, and, uh, and hallelujah, they're back at school. So last week we were at the funeral home and we had Steve Graham. Uh, and I just love, part of me loves that that's always going to be part of our story from now on. Like, oh yeah, the hall wasn't available and no other venue we could find, so we wound up in a funeral home. That's kind of cool. Uh, but you don't want to do that every week, that's for sure. Uh, and, so, and so here we go. So we're here at Pentecost Sunday. So again, if you're visiting with us, one of the things that we're doing as a church is we're committing to follow the church calendar. So there's certain events within the church calendar that are a big deal, and today is one of them. All around the world, uh, most churches are going to look at the subject of what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. There'll be some exceptions, which I think they're missing out uh, because they don't follow the church calendar, but we do. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. Now, I'm going to unpack that, obviously, to this morning and a little bit around the church calendar. But I just want to say that the, what we're going to start next week is a new series called um, BVC. Oh, in fact, we've got a slide for it. I've even made a slide. Uh, Matt, do you want to jump onto that, bro? Next one. The BVC series. And this is uh, the, Bay Vineyard, the Bay Vineyard Culture, or Bay Vineyard Church. But this is the Bay Vineyard Culture series. So looking at our core values. So one of the things that I've been praying about as we've started this church, what are some of the distinctives that God wanted to give us as we started the church? What are some of the core values, filters, priorities? Now, this isn't just stuff that we've made up. I feel very strongly this is what, who we're called to be. And this is, gonna, uh, this is how we're going to do things. Now, I didn't want to start our church looking at that because I wanted to talk about Jesus 
Now, we're not, not going to talk about Jesus because all of this finds its root in the life and the ministry and the person of Jesus. But um, we're going to unpack why these things are really precious to us and how we can outwork that as a church. So we're going to be looking at these values of joy, peace, and depth and how that gets outworked in the culture of Bay Vineyard Church. So that's going to start next week, and that's going to be cool. Charlotte's going to be sharing on one of those sermons. I've got one of my friends, Joseph, who's a PhD in theology, who leads a church in Tauranga. He's coming down to talk around uh, some of this. Which I'm, he's New Zealand's best kept secret. I just can't wait. So he's coming on the 10th of June. So we've got, it's going to be really fun, and um, I'm, just, I'm really excited about this series. Um, can we uh, go to the next slide? This uh, is the church calendar kind of in visual form. Uh, and this is kind of what we're going to be following as a church because the church calendar is a helpful tool to help us get immersed in the life of Jesus. And in the early church, very early on, they said there were key events in the life of Jesus that were absolute game changers. They're crucial theological moments that happened that we need to stop and go, whoa, what does that mean for us? And so they shaped this calendar around these key moments. And so uh, you've got Advent, anticipation, He's coming. Uh, and so there's a number of themes that we look at in December uh, around the anticipation of the incarnation of Jesus coming to earth where we celebrate Christmas. And so then we have Christmas. Um, this isn't stitched up completely, but we're looking at working with Pyramid Baptist to do an outdoor Christmas Eve service in the sound shell, uh, where we do like carols and invite the whole community to come along and, um, and again, bless the bay and um, have the celebration that Jesus has come. Christian service, so we're not going to, it's not like a, you know, we're not going to stand walk or anything. This is like, we're doing carols, we're going to do some readings, we're going to share a real short message, picnic, and, but I was like, man, how, Hang on, I'm excited about that already. So we're going to do that for Christmas. Um, it's a long way away, but you know, whatever. Um, then we go into the season of Epiphany, and that's looking at the fact um, that uh, this revelation of who God is and the, and the way that dawned on people. Then we go into the season of Lent, which is anticipating uh, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it prepares us for Easter. So we'll be doing that uh, next year, a number of weeks, just anticipating Easter and doing this journey of Lent together. Then we go into the high point of the Christian calendar, which is Easter. Uh, and then we have this period of time after Easter. Uh, and then last week was uh, celebrating the Ascension, and today's Pentecost Sunday, where the Holy Spirit is poured out. And then we go into ordinary time. Now, that's a big run of events that happen, and we're at the tail end of that, as you can see. But you know what I actually really like as well? Is that the Christian faith often just has a bunch of ordinary time in it. You know, it's not all just mountaintop experiences and like conferences and buzzes and whatnot. There's a bunch of ordinary time where you've got to plot along with Jesus and you just have the things in place in your life where we just normalize the spiritual battle that we're in. We normalize, this is how I want my rhythms to be. And so we have this ordinary time. So we're going to just, we're on the eve of hitting some ordinary time. And then in the ordinary time, we can preach whatever we want. But we're going to hold to the church calendar because these events, like you can't, these are too important to miss. And on the church calendar, there's like this hierarchy of events. There's the principal feasts, which are these. Uh, and then you've got Sundays. 
And then you've got holy days, so special days like All Saints Day or Christ the King Day, so these kind of other days. Uh, and then we've got um, days of special uh, devotion, and then you've got the very bottom days of optional observance. So you've got all this. Now, can I just point out Sundays aren't an optional observance day? Just throw that out there. Uh, that it goes principal feasts and Sundays as kind of the top two most important things in terms of the Christian rhythm. And so that's the main things we're going to be looking at are these principal feasts uh, in the, the life of the church calendar and uh, Sundays where we gather together as a tribe. And uh, bay groups, you know, the dream is that we're not a church with small groups, we're a church of small groups. So in time as that culture gets developed, the, the bay groups get together on a Sunday for a tribal gathering. And we open the word together and we celebrate what God's doing and we see what he wants to do in our midst as we continue to, to look at how we can just embody and live the way of Jesus. That's what we want to do. Is just we want to be Jesus with skin on. We want, us, we want to come fully alive in him. So this calendar just helps us get us in the rhythm of immersing ourselves in the story of Jesus and observing and reflecting and thinking about the implications on our lives of those particular moments. So... Uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, so I want us in our remaining time to have a little chat about the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and then we're going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst this morning. The Spirit of God uh, didn't just turn up uh, when the early church started. It wasn't like, ooh, you know, now let's invent the Holy Spirit, and da-da, there's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's been at work since the beginning of the book. In the second verse of the Bible, it says that the earth was formless and empty, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Some of our surfers here, that's your core life verse. Because the Spirit of God is hovering whoosh, over the waters and doing roundhouse cutbacks and floaters and, uh, and maybe aerials or whatever. The Spirit of God was a surfer. Come on. Yeah. Now, my Bible college lecturers may push back on some of my interpretation here this morning, but I'm going to stick to it, man. We've got this surfer God at the beginning of the book, man, just having a surf, which is premise. The Spirit of God was there from the very beginning, hovering over the waters. And then as the story of the Bible continues, we see that the Holy Spirit rests on certain people for certain tasks. So the Spirit of God would rest on David or would rest on Isaiah or would rest on Joshua for certain tasks. But the place where the Spirit of God dwelt was firstly in the tabernacle and later in the temple. And we see these moments where the Spirit of God comes in His glory. And in those moments in Samuel and Chronicles, it's like, whoa, hardcore moments where uh, fire and glory and clouds descend on these places and uh, priests, are, you know, the glory of God is there. Um, I was talking yesterday with some of our worship guys at this plugged in thing and um, the, temp, the, the Spirit of God rested on the Ark of the Covenant. There was, this, there was the hot spot of God's presence. And you see David's response as the Ark of the Covenant is brought back. The presence of God is brought back to his people. His, it's an undignified, unbridled joy that the God's Spirit has returned to His people. But it wasn't like we have it today. It was for certain, in certain places and on certain people for certain tasks. But Jesus then later promises in Luke 11 that the Holy Spirit's going to be given for everyone and that we are going to be the temple where God dwells. We are going to be the tabernacle where God's presence dwells. How huge is that? In context, this is a huge deal. But in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this. 
So I, I don't have it on the screens because we ran out of time. But uh, So if you've got your Bibles, iPods, Androids or Scrolls or whatever you're using these days for your Bible, Luke 11, chapter 9, it says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Then he goes on to say this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, I'm going to give my Holy Spirit to everyone. Um, as most of you know, we used to live in South America, in Uruguay, in uh, this capital city of Uruguay, Montevideo. And when I was, uh, I think about nine years old, Dad came up to me, we're living in Uruguay, and he said this, he said, Sam, um, me and you are going to go on a special treat on a bit of an adventure together in a month's time. He said, now, he said in future, I'm going to take the other kids away for special treats and special trips, but this is our turn. And so he said, and he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on this um, like hover boat or something across the river plate to Buenos Aires in Argentina. And we're going to go to the All Blacks game in Argentina. So I'm like frothing. And then he's like, not only that, they've got movie theatres. They didn't even have these in Uruguay. So I'm like, movie, what is this thing? So you're going to movie theatres and we're going to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. And so I'm like... <laughs> And then, then wait, there's more. Then he's like, not only that, but in uh, Buenos Aires, they have this thing called McDonald's. And I'm going to take you to this McDonald's place. Now, I didn't know what that was. And in hindsight, that's where it all began. But like, <laughs> well, yeah, cool, man. Dad was pretty excited about that because he, he remembered McDonald's. And um, now, can you imagine if Dad had promised me all of that? And then like the next minute, he'd be like, all right, we're off. And then he's like, jokes, we're not going there. We're going to an Anglican vicar retreat where we're going to do liturgy all day long, you know? It'd be like, that'd be just the lamest thing a dad could do. That's not cool. Like, that'd be horrible. Um, which he didn't. We went on the boat and we went to the um, All Blacks game. We won, which was great. And then we went to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It was amazing. And then we went to McDonald's. Oh, Lord Almighty. It was... It was amazing, like this kind of place, this mystical place, like, and um, it was just a great trip, you know, it was just, it was amazing. I could do it with a big back right now, actually just thinking about it, but, so Jesus is saying here, like, you, you, you know, you dads, you're good dads, but in comparison to your heart for your kids, it's like you're evil. That's the contrast of how good your heavenly father is. Like that's the, that's, he's trying to push the hearer's thinking about how good God is. And then he, says, then he says some very interesting stuff around asking, seeking, knocking, preceding that. But then he finishes by saying, if you, if you love giving good gifts, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give you the best gift possible of his Spirit living in you? the spirit of life, the spirit of joy, the spirit of wholeness. God's spirit, His holy presence would reside in us. That's huge. In uh, my teenage years, uh, I grew up in a charismatic Anglican church. As you, put, you know, Again, with our visitors today, if you're from an Anglican background, you would have heard some liturgy there. I'm finding my roots and some stuff there that I'm like, oh, that was quite helpful. Uh, and so we grew up in this charismatic, so my dad loves the Holy Spirit. 
And so he was just hungry for the things of the Spirit in our church. And during the 90s, early 90s, there was this move of God called the Toronto Blessing. Some people may remember this. Now, I discovered later that there was controversy around it. But at Waikanae Anglican Church, there was no controversy. Because my dad is not some big Pentecostal pastor that can kind of make it happen. He, I didn't get my speaking gift from him. That's all I'll say, Okay. <laughs> Wife, it was a knowing moment there. Like, he's okay. That's not his sweet spot. Um, so it's not like he's kind of this massive orator that can make something happen in a room. Dad's genius as a leader was his security in himself that enabled him to have better speakers and stronger leaders around him and not feel threatened. He was a genius on that front. Like he just, the Bishop of Wellington in his church, Cy Rogers in his church, David Pierce in his church, you name it, the leader of YFC at the time in his church on staff. Like they just loved that he, they were, he was secure. So he had these great people there. And this move of God began to sweep through our church that was sovereign. <laughs> like I knew the saints that were getting touched by the Spirit of God. And they were, they were you know, they're a little bit like the Queen, not prone to excess. You know, not prone to that kind of stuff. And I remember one time the Holy Spirit was touching people and people were just having a little rest in the Holy Spirit on the ground. And we had this, you know, because it was quite a wealthy area, why can I? So this doctor would walk, walk around just checking the pulse of everyone. Make <laughs> <laughs> sure everyone's okay. And, um, and, I, and so I would go to these camps that, uh, that Dad would encourage our youth group to go to that were very charismatic and Pentecostal, hungry for the things of the Spirit. And I remember seeing the Holy Spirit just move powerfully, but I felt nothing. I felt nothing. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, do you not like me? And I was like, maybe I need to help him out. So like, are we falling over? Is that helping? Down I go. <laughs> I've done that bit. Do you want to do the bit? You know? And guys, I'm serious. For years... I responded to every altar call and felt nothing. And I was asking, and I was seeking, and I was knocking. And it was in my, I was 15 years old. Do you know how long two years is when you're 15? It's ages. Like, you know, now years just seem to go like this. But back then it was like just dribbled past, you know. And it was like, and I'd go to another camp, and I'd just be desperate to be touched by God in the same way that I saw everyone else getting touched by God, and I didn't feel anything. And I just started getting frustrated. And I, I got to this point after a number of years in this journey where I went up to the front of another altar call where people were like, if you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, why don't you come up and we'd love to pray for you. I went up once more and I stood there and I was like, I'm just going to stand here for however long it takes. Um, and I was like, obviously at some point I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> but, and um, I kind of just, I remember talking to God like this, like my in my mind, in my heart, I was just like, God, if I don't get touched by you today, if I get filled with your spirit some radical way, then I will still follow you. So it wasn't a salvation thing or a following Jesus. I, I, I couldn't, I, I knew it was the truth and I felt his presence, but it wasn't like the power I was longing for. I was like, I will follow you, but I just knew that I would be cynical about this stuff. So I was like, but because you've got to be honest with God, you can't play games with God. I don't want that sort of church where we're like trying to make, fake it till you make it or something. Like that's not what we're going to do. He comes down. We don't hype him up. And so I stood there and I just waited and I waited and I waited. And, and then God poured a spirit out on me. <laughs> and it was like God opened heaven and poured out his love and his power on me. And the embarrassing thing is I'm lying there on the ground 
just, it felt like a Star Trek beam from heaven. And my whole body just felt like I was on fire. And, and all, I did, all I did was I was yelling out, it's real, I'm not faking it, it's real. And everyone's like, what's going on? But I just was filled radically with his, with his power. Now, I haven't had an experience since that powerful. And I don't know if, I mean, maybe it'll happen again. I'm, not, I'm open for it, but I don't need it anymore. And since that time, I've felt his presence and his power. Even on me as I'm preaching now, I can feel the Spirit of God resting on me. And it's heaven. It's, he, it's literally heaven. Just the anointing, I can feel it. And you know, it bugs me because my brother went through a season where he walked away from the Lord, not, not in a rebellious way, but just because he just, he just couldn't find, he just, it was the same thing. And I remember sitting in a cafe with him. Uh, <laughs> that is not the Spirit of God. That's my B.O. or something. <laughs> Adrian, that was a fly zooming around me just so you know. Um, and I was in this cafe with him, and there's this movie um, with uh, Jim Carrey. Is it Love? No, um, Bruce Almighty, where he's trying to make Jennifer Aniston feel his love, and it's the one thing God, like he's like God's like you can't do that. Like you can't make someone love you. And I felt like I was there in the cafe because I was, I was sitting in the cafe talking to my brother, feeling the Holy Spirit on me, feeling the presence of God on me, and he's sitting there feeling nothing. Do you know how frustrating that is? You're like, and it's like nothing, you know. I couldn't get it to him. And in time, he had a, a, a different journey. He's wired differently than me. We're all wired differently. God knows that. But he has come back to the Lord and has encountered the Holy Spirit and has, you know, in his own way. Here's my point, is that the Holy Spirit, there's a dance, there's, there's two truths that go on. And Jesus talks about it in this text. Firstly, on our side is the ask, seek, and knock. And then on his side, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to give this good gift of his Spirit to us? He wants it more than we want to get it. But there's something about both that, that dynamic that has to go on. Where you have St. Augustine, Lord, put salt on my lips that I would thirst for you. And then he satisfies it. And then he'll put more salt on your lips. And then he satisfies. That's the journey of our lives of walking deeper into the things of God and his presence. But it's a good gift. But the Holy Spirit's the best gift you can have. And we can be fearful about... Um, I don't know, us getting taken over by something and, and acting like an, an idiot, which I did a little bit, to be honest. And look, he can do what he wants to do, but he's kind. And the Bible says he's the comforter, John 10, 26. So he's the comforter. Most of the time, it's very, very gentle. And sometimes in my experience, I've asked for, we're going to do this today. Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh? Sometimes I feel something, a lot of the time I feel nothing, but I see the effects of the Spirit of God in my life in those coming days. That's been often the case for me. I've felt an increased sense of His peace, increased sense of His presence, increased sense of just being, being especially being at peace in my own heart and mind, and that just sense of carrying His presence. In Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus is, uh, well, let me read from the text. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. The disciples obviously are paying attention at another level to this resurrected Jesus. And so he does one more block course on the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like to see the rule and reign of God extend in our world until that glorious day he brings that job to completion. The battle's been won because of the events of Easter. But here's what it looks like to continue to be my presence in a fallen and broken world. And then it says this. He says, as he was eating with them, which I love, and we're going to talk about this and our values around joy, food's a big deal when it comes to joy. And wine's a big deal when it comes to joy. And, uh, and so Jesus is eating with his disciples and, having a, and there's food central to the Christian faith. Hallelujah. Um, anyway, it's a total tangent. But so he's eating with them. And oh my gosh, so many sermons. Uh, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized but with water. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples hear this. Now, you've got to remember the disciples didn't know what was going to happen. We do. But can you imagine, for a second, pretend you don't know. Can you imagine you've heard that and you can connect the dots a bit with what's happened in the Old Testament and in the great story of God because it was all tied up with this great narrative that we're exploring. But they didn't know. So Jesus ascends to heaven and we celebrate the ascension because, as, because Jesus has gone to sit at the right hand of the Father and has sent the Holy Spirit, we now have access to the Spirit of God whenever we want. But before then, it was Jesus in one place. Like, and just quick tangent, quick tangent, Jesus operated within the limits of his human body. Relationally, especially. He had three best friends, nine others within that he was doing life with, and on it went. 72, 500. He couldn't be everyone's best friend. Get your head around that. You can't be everyone's best friend. Jesus couldn't either. That's why it's good he ascended to heaven, because now he can be everyone's best friend. Hallelujah. By his spirit, he can be everyone's best friend. You're his best friend. He loves hanging out with you. That's the ascension ticked off. Pentecost. So he ascends to heaven. The disciples go to Jerusalem and they start praying. Pentecost, 50 days. From Passover to to, uh, Pentecost is 50 days. For 40, he had been teaching them the block course. For 10 days, they go and wait in a room in Jerusalem and they're praying. What an interesting prayer meeting. Talk about us seeking and knock. This wasn't an instant moment where it all came together. The disciples had to be faithful in that waiting period before the Holy Spirit came. They had to wait, they had to ask, they had to seek, they had to knock. What I find so interesting is that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, the text says the Holy Spirit came where they were sitting. You start a prayer meeting on day one standing, right? And you're walking around, all right, come Holy Spirit, what's this going to be like? You know, come. There's no tongues going on yet, so you're just praying, praying a few prayers or whatever. And it's like by day 10, how are you doing? Like We should try it one time. Let's have a 10-day prayer meeting to get into the story of waiting that long for the promised Holy Spirit. That's a lot of asking, seeking, knocking. That's a lot of faithfully waiting for the promise. There's some doubt on there, no doubt. Is this actually going to happen? And it does. And it does. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one place. Suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes from heaven and fills the whole house with us sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What a moment. This is when the church gets set on fire. 
And because of that celebration in Jerusalem at that time, there were people from all nations and all tongues gathered in that place. And they heard these people declaring the beauty and the majesty and the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own native tongue because the Spirit of God had been poured out on all flesh. That temple was for everyone now. We, we could all take part in it. And the church was set alight. N.T. Wright says this, The Spirit is given so that we, ordinary mortals that we are, can ourselves be, in a measure, what Jesus himself was, part of God's future arriving in the present, a place where heaven and earth meet, the means of God's kingdom going forwards. The Spirit is given, in fact, so that the church can share in the life and continuing work of Jesus himself. We are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can continue the ministry of Jesus as the body of Christ. Because we can't do the ministry of Jesus just by doing nice social work. I'm all over blessing and we're going to paint fences and all that sort of stuff. But I want to see the kingdom of God break in. And that's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. There's something that happens when the Spirit of God captivates a heart. And there's this, you've, you've, most of you have had this happen. Your heart goes, He's real. Whew. And, and as you get filled with the Spirit, it's like God's breath of life begins to breathe into your very being. That's a spiritual work of God. That's not something I can manufacture. And not only that, but everything else that goes with it, setting people free, healing, all the embracing of God's kingdom is by His Spirit. We step out in faith, we give our lives and fishes, and He does the miracle. But in a scary stepping of faith, we're going to explore this for all the time around what it looks like to do that. I just want to come into land with this because I want to spend some time just allowing God to do what He wants to do and invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh this morning. But there's a, just real quick, there's a, a number of things the Spirit of God just starts to do as we allow Him to take up residence in our own lives. I've mentioned He comforts us. You know, there's lots of places we can go to for comfort. Cream buns, McDonald's. You know, alcohol and many other destructive things that we can look to, to anesthetize our pain or to escape. The Holy Spirit's given. Don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians. So we, we, the Spirit of God comes and satisfies us and comforts us, and especially during suffering and pain. The Spirit of God is there to comfort us. The Spirit of God cleanses us. We, with unveiled faces, will reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit of God is doing a sanctifying, cleansing work in us. Because of you know, the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, it is finished. So you are made right because of the cross. And now the Spirit of God comes, and in Philippians 3.16, it says, so now let us live up to what we have already attained. Let's become who we already are in Jesus. The Spirit of God brings us to life and cleanses us. The Holy Spirit shapes us. You know, um, in fact, someone tweeted this uh, last night, which I thought was really helpful. Um, I'll just quickly find it. Because this, we get pretty pumped, I think, on the, on the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm, I'm into the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, things like prophecy, things like words of knowledge, 
the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of discernment of spirits. These gifts are given to equip the church to do the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus, just to make sure we understand this, didn't just happen in synagogues. For the most part, the ministry of Jesus happened by lakes and in pubs and on the bus and all sorts of different places. So God wants the adventure of Jesus as, as Him forming the gifts in us. We can practice in this place. It's a safe place to do it. But I get really excited when I hear about words of knowledge getting given on the bus or in the cafe or whatnot. Or, you know, Jen's got a few stories like this because she's bold as brass, but that gets me froth. So I'm into that. But he, this is, listen to this. This guy, Dan White Jr., said this. To the Apostle Paul, being a spirit-filled church meant expressing the fruit of the Spirit. To modern churches, it often means a style of worship. I'm into the gifts. I'm more passionate about the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. That's... That's what I want us to be known for. Kind, like love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the things that I want in my life. I like people who are fruity. Don't you? I just love it when I hang out with someone that's got that in them. And that matters. Like you can be anointed and gifted, great. But what really matters is godly character. Because your gifting and your anointing can take you to places your character is not ready for. And God's generous on all that stuff. But what really matters is us being from, transformed from glory to glory in these things. And this isn't something you do, it's something you experience. Love. Like the Spirit of God wants you to know this morning that you are loved. You can't love other people until you know you're loved. And like, that is a journey of our lives to discover how loved we are. The reason we take communion every week, it, re it reminds us we're loved. That someone would die for us to set us free. We're loved. I, Lord, fill me so that I feel, I'm just filled with your love. Joy, number two on the list. Sign me up. The sign that you're, you're filled with the Spirit and that He's He's doing a work in you is you're filled with more and more joy. Joy that transcends your circumstances. Joy that's not dependent on external circumstances. Joy that is just, you're filled with because the Spirit of God has done a work in you that you just a giggle central. You're just filled with joy. Oh, I want to be that guy so bad. You know, we're going to talk about this, obviously. But I'm like, man, good time shirts should just be compulsory attire for the Christian, because we're joy-filled people, you know? You know what I mean by good time shirts? You know, like loud good time shirts? I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing one today. I just, well, well, on the future Sundays, I'm wearing some good time shirts when we talk about joy. Because it's like, and this is, I'm, I'm, oh, sign me up, God. Fill me with your spirit so that we become a fruity church. That we get known for our kindness. The world desperately needs kindness these days. Kind people. He did, this is what the Spirit of God does in us. He, and so my prayer this morning is that God would find some good soil in our hearts, that we would, um, that we would just be increasingly a place where the Spirit of God can create, can cultivate that sort of fruit. That really excites me. I want to be part of a church that's fruity. We've got to put some, don't just tweet that or whatever, like that's, Bay Vineyard's a bit fruity like that, like there's context to that. But uh, I just I just am so captivated with this idea that that's what God wants to do in us. 
Because I, I just I feel like that's the most beautiful thing we could ever be. And you know why? Because that's who Jesus was. That's the Spirit of God is, the, is, is Jesus' very own Spirit within us. It's the Spirit of God that comes and resides and makes His home within us. And uh, I, I come into land with this. We're going to pray that God would fill us afresh with His Spirit this morning. Um, but I would just love to encourage you for, to um, ask, seek, and knock this week a bit more intentionally. Tony Campolo, an amazing uh, communicator for many years, he said that he would just lie in bed every morning. Before he got out of bed, he would just ask the Holy Spirit to fill him, and then he would just wait. Um, my day starts with one of my children jumping on my nuts, so that's not as, uh, as easy to do um, because that's kind of like... It's slow. So for those that are empty nesters or your kids are a bit older, um, you know, then maybe you can do that. We can't because we just get violently woken with someone yelling at us for milk and, you know, it's like, okay... Um, and then, you know, you're angry as you start the day and there's a, 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 dig a d- ditch that you've got to get out of to, uh, with the Spirit of God. But for those, my point is this. <laughs> my point is this. There's a point. <laughs> Invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. The, the Greek is the continuous imperative tense. Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-off experience and it's not limited to Sunday mornings. Tomorrow morning as you drive to work, Holy Spirit, just fill me. Just wait. Come, fill me, Lord God. You're getting irritated at your work, mate. Come, rip to the toilet. Lord, fill me afresh. Fill me afresh, Lord. You know, whatever. Just get in the habit of asking the Spirit of God to come and fill you. We leak. We're leaking constantly. We need to be filled up to overflowing. And then we leak some more. Fill me, Lord. Fill me continuously. Fill me. I'm asking you to fill me afresh. So while we're going to ask Him to fill us this morning, I'm nervous that we make these spiritual moments and that we've made everything else non-spiritual. That's Gnostic worldview and it's not helpful. God wants us to, to live in His story, live in His Spirit. In Him we live and move and have our being, says Paul. So that's what we've got to learn to do. This is easy. Tomorrow morning it's not. So let's get in the habit of Holy Spirit, fill me, lead me, guide me, speak to me, shape me. I want to react like this when I see that person drive like that. Spirit of God, patience, kindness, help me, Lord God. Holy Spirit, point out where I'm veering off and help me to just walk the, the way of Jesus. Let's stand together and pray.